0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 403. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms, And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer from members of the Slow Flowers community at deboraprenzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 403. Our first sponsor spotlight thanks goes to Longfield Gardens. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, continues today with floral designer Anna Rose Pappas, based in Maryland. Listen for my conversation with Anna in the second portion of this episode. Last week, I enjoyed a five-day whirlwind trip to London. My itinerary was filled with all things flowers and gardens. It was an incredible trip, made all the more enjoyable thanks to unseasonably beautiful and dry London weather that made everything sparkle. I'll be covering the RHS Chelsea Flower Show with a Best of Chelsea report for Florist Review's August issue, out later this summer. In the meantime, I have a very special episode to share with you today. My guest is Shane Connolly of Shane Connolly & Company, whose website carries this royal warrant of appointment by appointment to HRH, the Prince of Wales, supplier of flowers for events. Well, if you track royal weddings at all, you will know that Mr. Connolly designed the florals for the marriage ceremony of Will and Kate, that is, their Royal Highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. In 2005, he was honored and delighted to be asked by H.R.H., the Duchess of Cornwall, to design her bouquet and all the other flowers for her marriage to H.R.H., Prince of Wales, and the service of dedication in Windsor Castle. In recognition of this, Shane was awarded a Royal Warrant of Appointment to H.R.H., the Prince of Wales, in 2006. Following that, in 2011, as I just said, Shane was appointed Artistic Director for the wedding of the Royal Highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, and was awarded a second Warrant of Appointment to Her Majesty the Queen in 2015. HRH, the Prince of Wales, has long been a campaigner for the environment and has recognized the dangers of intensive farming, imported and genetically modified food very publicly. And both he and his eldest son, the Duke of Cambridge, are crusaders for environmental wellness, which provided Shane the tremendous distinction to design the florals for both of their marriage ceremonies in a naturally stunning eco-conscious manner. There is something very flattering when you arrange to meet someone for tea and he shows up holding a copy of your book, The 50 Mile Bouquet, and asking you to autograph it. Well, there's something entirely surreal when that person is Shane Connolly. What a lovely surprise. It turns out that Shane acquired The 50 Mile Bouquet several years ago when he was teaching at Flower School New York, where they keep a small selection of books in the school shop. I think that's perhaps how Shane learned of my passion for local and seasonal flowers, and we later became Instagram friends. I sent him a message several months ago asking if he would be willing to record an interview for the Slow Flowers podcast while I was in London. What a thrilling treat that Shane said yes. As it turns out, in order to have a quiet space for the recording, we walked from his North Kensington studio just a few blocks away to Shane's home that he and his wife, Candy, have recently established in the neighborhood. Pinch me. I was seated on the linen sofa surrounded by antiques, textiles, books, art, and flowers, interviewing this warm, kind, funny, and intelligent floral artist. Shane is a true pioneer, and he is a vocal leader in sustainable floral design in all of its facets. A kindred slow flower spirit who asks about the origin of the flowers he sources and works to change the floral industry's conventional, less than sustainable practices by example. Here's more about Shane Connolly Shane Connolly and Company has been creating timeless artisan floral arrangements and decorations for over 25 years, and Shane still gets excited about the next event. Shane set up his eponymous company in 1989 after training with some of London's leading floral designers. Born and raised in Northern Ireland, Shane read psychology at university, but a lifelong passion for plants and gardening eventually led to a complete career change, and subsequently he has built an enviable reputation as a floral designer with a small, dedicated, and talented team of florists, artists, and craftsmen working from offices and a large light-filled studio in North Kensington, which is a neighborhood in London. He is the author of four books, Table Flowers, Wedding Flowers, The Language of Flowers, and A Year in Flowers. This gives you a snapshot of Shane Connolly, but now let's hear his story. I will have photos and links to share in today's show notes at deboraprinzing.com. You're in for a real treat, so let's get started. if i'm sitting in your charming house this is it's like it's, we just pinch love it.
1: myself yeah and we've, we've all even here we've tried to do everything Nothing. the only new thing we got was this sofa because well, it fits the space perfectly it had to be the right yeah. size but yeah. everything else is recycled even i bought curtains that are you know 100 years old i tried to only have <laughs> old things i wanted the ethos to continue in the house <laughs> i love it okay ready
0: welcome back to the slow flowers podcast with deborah prinzing and i am so thrilled to introduce you to Shane Connolly of Shane Connolly and Company, based here in England in London. Shane, thank you for saying yes. Pleasure joining me on the podcast. I, I
1: would have said yes years ago.
0: <laughs> well, I wanted to do it in person.
1: Yeah, know, exactly. That's even more of a treat. Thank you.
0: So I'm I'm delighted that I got to see your beautiful workspace and studio, and you agreed to sit down and talk a little bit about many topics for the podcast. To start, can you give us a snapshot of Shane Connolly and company, the scope of what this this enterprise is?
1: Gosh, sometimes it feels like it's a cottage industry, and sometimes it feels like it's international, and sometimes it feels like it's a tiny company, and sometimes it feels big. It's very interesting. I think, I wish someone had been able to tell me when I was 16 how exciting my life would have been, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad no one told me how little money you would actually make <laughs> from it, but the excitement has outweighed that. Mm. I suppose... When I first started, I didn't know that's what I was going to be doing. It, it was slightly accidental as well as very intentional, mm. but I thought I would be doing parties and weddings. and
0: with flowers. With flowers.: Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but I
1: never thought that it was going to it, it sort of spiral into giving talks, writing books, uh, traveling. I mean, I would never have thought that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's and the international part, and in that's extraordinary. Yeah. I yeah. can't
1: believe that I've been asked to so many places to meet well you with.
0: you said the this business now you took flowers off the name and it's and company but
1: I was deflowered
0: yes <laughs> but but that wasn't I mean that's certainly not your intent everything oh, no, you it wasn't because flowers. I wasn't doing yeah. flowers
1: or didn't want flowers or that it was, that wasn't I just it just seemed cleaner to be Shane Connolly and company mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it also allowed it to be the feeling that it wasn't just me mm. Shane Connolly flowers meant that I was so responsible I still <laughs> am in a lot of ways but it gave the team more of a sense yes. You know, a lot yes. of people call themselves—I uh, don't know—petals and and rainbows.
0: Something and something, absolutely. And, and that
1: means that they they then have scope for other people to be considered mm-hmm. as important as them. And shenkony flowers meant it had to be me. Yes. Whereas and company means you know share the, the wealth. You can <laughs> share, share the love. Share the love. <laughs> That's it. Share the love. That's a nice and way. And so,
0: so your um your your main emphases are um weddings and events. Yes. And then um consulting i guess for a specific yes um floral related projects yes okay and then speaking and writing and like how do you divide up that pie
1: very badly okay Uh, Okay. and usually everything happens on the same week
0: of course and it all has
1: to be done by four (laughs) (coughs) o'clock as well as you being the last person in the studio who has to empty the 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 bins because they started to smell yeah all happens on the wednesday by five o'clock uh how do you divide it up not consciously. Okay. And I don't think I'm particularly good time manager. And lovely Jilly, who is our um, office manager, mm-hmm, studio mm-hmm. manager, certainly would say I do it very badly. I find I get easily distracted mm-hmm. by the creative side, which is the bit, you know, why do you do it? Because this is why you got into side. it. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, the, the delivery of... You just saw that lovely delivery of roses arriving from Wales grown on a lovely farm. And that can distract you away from the quote that you're supposed to be writing by midday so easily.
0: Absolutely. I was When we were walking over here, I was going to ask you, you were talking about Jilly uh, will be kind of on the front lines, yeah. uh, speaking with the inquiry, the person inquiring mm. about a wedding and trying to determine whether they're the, the right fit for you. But at some point you have the meeting with the, the prospective couple yes. or the client, and then you do have to write a proposal. And like yes. that, that's the stuff that you want to run away from the office to go look at the flowers and <laughs> yeah. Uh, distract. Yeah,
1: sometimes that's the stuff. I mean, it's, it's. I have to say the transforming thing in my business has been having Jilly come into the business as as not just a creative, mm-hmm. as as just being one who slightly manages people.
0: Mm-hmm. More on I the think, admin.
1: Yeah, and I yeah. think that's the problem. When you're doing a talk, if I'm doing a talk in New York, it isn't just one phone call. It's 27 emails Four phone calls, a form to sign, 35 inquiries about what flowers you want, 27 t- to, before they believe that you don't want any, that you'll pick things that you get. It's this big time suck. It's a big time yeah. suck. And, yeah. and, and, and sometimes it's just, it's, I, I mean, I would urge anybody who is, whose business is being quite successful to think about having someone who isn't necessarily the one out doing the flowers right. in the flower world. Right. To have someone who's, who's actually keeping it all under control. Ginny is office based she's amazing.
0: She's your, like your, um, I think she's command mother actually. Command central. Yes.
1: <laughs> and she also makes really good coffee.
0: <laughs> so, um, you're known and the way I found out about you really was from, uh, having a, an, a, a mission or a brand related to British grown flowers and mm. sustainability. Mm. And I know that's not ex- exactly how you probably describe yourself. Oh,
1: but, I would be very happy to take that description. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean we walked into your studio and you said, "Look at Deborah, all of this is British." And yeah. you had you had cut flowers, you had plants. Yeah. Uh you had a, a ra- and some roses just came in from mm. a neighboring country in yeah. Wales and so that that just is it seems like you've you said you've always had that orientation that uh, it comes from the garden. So of yeah. course it should be seasonal. Yes. So um that was a thing before it was a thing. For, I mean, that was you before it was a thing.
1: I didn't ever think of it. Okay. I think that the past, maybe the past 10 years and certainly the past five years, suddenly it's a thing. Okay. And you have probably found that as well. Right. Before that, it was just the way you did things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I used to be slightly puzzled by people who really got excited about peonies in December in England. Mm. But, you know, that was what they were. Now, I, I, I'm not just puzzled. I just, I just find it uh, difficult. Mm -hmm. difficult to to you know as as wonderful no floral foam Rita Felding says how can you say that this is something that is exploit not exploiting nature is is start that again as Rita Felding Mm -hmm. uh, from no floral foam the no floral foam founder says how can you be doing something that is supposed to be glorifying nature if it's actually working against and in spite of nature Mm -hmm. and I think that's it's a contradiction. Suddenly you sit up and you, and also getting older, mm-hmm. as you'll find when you do, getting older suddenly makes you more confident. Mm-hmm. That's one of right. the nicest things about being older. You suddenly think, actually, I feel that strongly and I don't really care what people think if I speak out loudly about it.
0: I admire that about you too because it, at some point you think, I've, at least I've earned the right to speak my mind and, and, and follow a, a, a set of values that um, I, my, my company is associated
1: with. Absolutely.
0: You first got on my radar, uh, I think, just because I was, you know, I transitioned into floral from gardening, Mm -hmm. so I kind of didn't know who all the big players were. But, of course, when you did Will and Kate's wedding Mm -hmm. uh, flowers, and that was 2011? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And um, Shane Connolly's name was pretty much everywhere. For the media that bothered to write about the flowers as opposed to everything else in the wedding, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that... That we talked a little bit over coffee about how um that was a natural opportunity for you to talk about local flowers because
1: yes but well, that, well, that wanted that. that's what they wanted uh-huh. and that's you know we were there was no conversion to my way of thinking at all. it was you know you say tomato, I said tomato as well, there was mm-hmm. no tomato there, mm-hmm. it was completely uh, the awful word organic and natural, and I actually didn 't see any uh unusual approach I was Mm -hmm. just basically doing what I'd always done
0: which is I was going to ask you is this pretty much how you would approach any wedding like what are your what is your vision or what are what are your favorite flowers or what
1: I don't I try to keep away from flowers because sometimes people then get obsessed Mm. and especially now social media is so big people bring me photographs and say we just love this and they have 27 photographs all different and all flowers that don't flower in October when Mm. the wedding is Mm -hmm. Um, I love to sort of say, how do you picture it? You know, what, are you thinking, do you want people to feel like they're at a very grand dinner? Do you want people to feel like they're having a dinner party with friends? Do you want it to feel really informal, formal? Do you, you know, try to gauge what oh. the couple are like.
0: Mm-hmm. And more like the mood and the personality. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then from that, you...
1: And from that, then try, you know, I, I hate to set on an idea in stone right at the beginning, pin your colors to the mast right at the beginning. Oh my goodness, right. It's really sad because you're then going to be disappointed. Right. Whereas if you let it evolve and then get excited about things as they evolve, it's usually a better result.
0: Well, you're working on things from very small, intimate scale to grand. Well, you told me you did a wedding in India that you had to, you know, source local flowers there and hire dozens of people. So, Mm. I mean, that's the... The the distance from the small to the large is pretty vast for you, but I, yeah. there's probably some common thread for how you approach the the concept and the
1: it's the it's production. It, I mean so much of what any of us do we it isn't us it's the client mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the client I want the client to be happy
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I want the client to feel like they have been in control sounds awful that they have led the process. So that when the party or wedding or whatever it is actually happens, they think, I feel at home. I feel comfortable. Not that they are, you know, it's like wearing the wrong clothes to a party. Right. Otherwise.
0: Right. And so, it's not
1: their personality. So you have to get the ego out of it. And I think.
0: I see. That's, but there's there are so many other people in the industry who have a look or yeah. a signature style. And yeah. it doesn't sound like. Well, we that's do. We
1: do so, I mean, we all do. Whatever, right. whatever, if someone said to me, I want it to be really full of flowers and really colourful, I have to think, that's not my personal preference. Mm-hmm. I, I love things to have an airiness about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I then have to think, well, what flower looks good massed together at that time of year? Sure. And, you know, in the autumn it might be wonderful hydrangeas all mm-hmm. heaped mm-hmm. in bowls and that gives that... Then you might think, well, let's add, what have we added some fruits to that? Let's have, mm. you know, pears and meddlers on the, on the mm. stem. And you get that really rich, intense look with things that suit being like that.
0: Right. And I can picture that in my mind's eye just listening to you talk yes. about that. But in the springtime, you might be doing it with... With tulips. Uh, yes. I mean, if, if, yeah. if
1: somebody comes to me and they say, we love colour and we love flowers and we want it to look like this photograph of peonies and the party is on the 12th of, of March. Well, then I always think... Tulips will do that. They look good massed together and, and colorful, and, and you can get that feeling. And you I can won't give think, the, I'm going to get peonies.
0: Right. You can give the client that, that uh, same experience. Mm-hmm. They just don't know that it doesn't matter which flower it is. If Sometimes do...
1: it takes a while to get them okay. to come to that stage. Okay. Uh, and equally, if you want that beautifully ethereal, airy look, the best thing would be to say, let's decide a color and leave the rest to me.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: I think increasingly... Because of social media, that's harder. Mm-hmm. They, they mm-hmm. want photographs.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Or you get, the, you get the Instagram or Pinterest um, yes. inspiration board. Yes.
1: Yeah. We, we did one, we called it the, the, the um, mood board standoff because <laughs> she would send us a mood board and say, I love this. Can you send me your ideas? So we would make a mood board and send it back And she'd say, I like everything but this left one and the one at the bottom right, I don't like at all. In fact, this is my new mood board. Could you send me your ideas back so we would do another mood board? And we sent these mood boards back and forward until, you know, the the joy of it was sucked out completely. And there was no, I I couldn't really remember what we were doing.
0: Oh, my goodness. So it was like a standoff.
1: Well, well, no, we did the job and she was happy, but I felt it could have been better.
0: Yeah. You know, over-designed.
1: Over-designed, over-cooked. right. Overflavored, too much right. salt in the soup.
0: <laughs> That's right, exactly. Yeah. Too many people were tinkering with that too recipe. Too many people, yeah. So um, I loved hearing your story of how you got into flowers because it is a well. Maybe there's no perfect path, but this sounds very um, much. You fell down the rabbit hole of uh, loving <laughs> flowers versus going to some formal. Yes, kind yes, of yes. Program. Completely,
1: completely. Internship would be called nowadays apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and 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 more by luck than than intention.
0: And do you think that that maybe is why you're so focused on seasonality, and also maybe the old, old sort of pre nineteen fifties techniques of foam, and that you're you're using it could be know, green me- mechanics, basically. I don't know how to describe. I that. Anyways. I
1: don't feel that I don't. I I feel that what I'm doing has been become has become a topic. Mm-hmm. I don't feel it's really very different to what I've always done, and I did use foam. Of course, I used foam. Everybody used foam. Mm -hmm. Um, I never liked it. I never liked the touch, the smell. I didn't know why. I didn't. I didn't think it was uh, necessarily a thing that had ecological issues. Okay. Because we didn't. Right. None of us did.
0: And you said that, but you were tr- your training was with some um, proteges of Constant Spry. and Pool, so uh, Pool,
1: a company called Poolbrook and Gould in London.
0: Okay, so that that was
1: more of a chicken wire, chicken wire situation, yeah. or the right container. I always mm. said that, but you know they said, "What do you use instead of foam. I say, I "Use water." <laughs> <laughs> like a really great new invention called H two O, and it's free.
0: Or you figure out how to use some kind of foliage or fluffy flower head that becomes the mechanic that's right yeah so and then you you mentioned that the foam just kind of came to you maybe with some freelancers saying why
1: aren't you using this well as ever that would be the thing that's you know that would be oh you can do this and sure I mean this was before flower walls and before the obligatory archway over the church door for (laughs) photographs you know we just did we in those days you sort of would do Nice plants either side of the church door, which sure. so I still think is beautiful. Right. Uh, yeah. Sometimes um, a lot of things has become the photo opportunity. Sure. And that is very interesting. I sound it's like our site. We,
0: we all want to, the selfie, want to be, right? And
1: we want to put it on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and we need, apparently, to be framed by an archway of flowers before we can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, how do you do an archway of flowers, then? What's well, your technique?
1: depends. I mean, it depends on the budget. Sure. If... Of you course. Know, I get so many messages to begin with, it's all very well for you, it's all right for you, you don't have... I do, every job I do has a budget.
0: You have constraints, like every totally. designer, right. Totally, okay. We do,
1: you know, we do not have uh, money's no object thrown at us, ever. I never have had that, ever, in I, 30 years, never.
0: I, do you think that's just, as an aside, do you think that's just because flowers are often... They have to get in line behind the caterer and behind the dress. Yes. And like you're, you're kind of down the pecking order a little bit.
1: I would say 90% of the time you are. Okay. Sometimes someone thinks that's the most, you know, the thing is with flowers, I always think it's not just the flowers. You're creating an ambiance. You're creating a mood. And, you know, the, the, the fact that it's a transient, beautiful thing that might only last for four hours for the length of a meal. Sure. I think that's part of its beauty. Absolutely. And the fact that you're for for those four hours, you're immersed immersed in nature. And that you're completely, you know, you, they've got you've got like this homage to the world of nature in front of you with delicious food and delicious wine. And you think that's the epitome of civilization. Yes. And it's something incredible about being involved in that process. So I've forgotten the original mm. question now, but it no. is.
0: well, I just about the budget. I think about the budget. About that,
1: yeah. The budget. The budget shouldn't. There, sometimes the budget becomes like the obsession, and I think the look of it should be the obsession, or the mood you want to create.
0: And you can create a mood just with foraged branches if it's a small budget, or Absolutely. you can go have beautiful viburnum that in mm-hmm. the, pots that mm-hmm. will live long after the event, like you just showed me. Absolutely. Yeah. That's neat,
1: <clears throat> and and there are many ways to, to skin a cat, as they used to mm-hmm. say before cruelty to animals was a
0: <laughs> So I asked you about uh, what led up to that question was how would you decorate the arch of a, a doorway? Oh yes, a that's
1: church. right. <laughs> I think we've got, we've got very very transgressed that. Uh, well, it would depend if yeah. there was a budget to have a structure made. Right. That one could, like Philippa Craddock did for the mm-hmm. Wessex's wedding last year, where she made it and um, she didn't make it, and the welder S- made a metal structure which held buckets. Which then could be covered with chicken wire. Everything's fed into water and you can use water tubes for extra things. You can make exactly sure. what, what you, we all saw there and what, what looked so spectacular. And so
0: it was an engineering feat.
1: but It, it was, was an engineering feat very and an expensive through. way of doing yeah. it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's if they... If, if someone... You know, the, the other thing is, shouldn't people cut their cloth to fit what they've got to spend? Yes. So if someone has 20 pounds, $30, and they want to do an archway over the church they should the florist or the floral designer should say so this is what you can afford mm-hmm. and one we can make spectacular, a beautiful...
0: one spectacular spray of sweet peas absolutely yeah.
1: or let's buy uh, i don't know an, a, 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 we did a party last year where i bought a, an archway of growing hornbeam and oh. you know it means that that's not planted in the garden wow. so somehow that was worth spending money on yes and it was a green arch yes so that's so smart. And that's, that's the sort of thing. It's, it's, it's developing uh, relationships with growers. Yes. And it's saying, what could, you, what could you grow or what have you got? And they might say, well, do you know, we've got this. Nobody's bought it, but it's very beautiful. And you think, wow, that would do
0: it. Great. Right. And
1: right. um, we're doing a thing tomorrow, w- which we're going to use a very tall Trachelospermum jasminoides plants, which is highly scented. It isn't jasmine, but it's a, it's, it smells like the jasmine. The flowering shrub. Exactly. Yeah which we, they've been grown in tripods, so we're going to put those in big urns with this, these tripods of, of, of scented, glorious things either side of a doorway. And Perfect. why does it have to meet in the middle? <laughs> you know, it, there, that is the problem. If, if that we, high
0: vertical element is all that you really need. It doesn't have to form mm-hmm. an arch, is what
1: you're saying. Well, all I'm saying is on a budget. Yes. If, if you've got enough money to have a structure made, then you can meet in the middle mm-hmm. and you can do it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you could be clever and have a structure that's very adaptable.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do in the dead of winter? Do you do weddings in December or January? I fly
1: to Barbados for the four months. No, I don't. Oh, uh, we that, do do weddings. We it's do all I mean,
0: well for you. Jane. <laughs> it's
1: all well for me always. We uh, do struggle with usually the client. Mm,
0: I'm sure it's a problem. because everybody has the same complaint.
1: Exactly, but if they could only realize the magic. And I mean, forget weddings, but for, for an any event, party, yeah. the magic you can get out of lichen-covered branches, lots of candlelight, uh, jasmine plants. Mm-hmm. I, I really love things like jasmine and, you know, imported amaryllis. Amaryllis mm-hmm. are grown in, in uh, Holland for us and probably Holland yes. for you.
0: but you could force Perfect. the
1: bulbs. They make a spectacular show and narcissi. We, mm-hmm. we have narcissi from about end of November. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you have to like those flowers. Yes, and where I really struggle is when a bride says my favorite is are rose and the, part, the wedding is on December the 30th. And you think, well, why didn't you get married in June?
0: So unlike in the US where we can at least get California grown roses in, the, in December or mm-hmm. January... Mm-hmm. Uh, dom- so we have domestic. You have domestic, you which would have, be my
1: first choice. You don't have always.
0: A, do you don't have a domestic, win- like greenhouse grower of roses in in the UK? In, not in the winter. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. We don't.
1: We don't have that. Yeah. And our, I mean, we're much. We're tiny. We are the size of the state of California, practically. Yes. And so you are very lucky. Yeah. You've got every climate mm-hmm. practically at any one time. Right. So right. it still defeats my sense of of understanding when I go to America and they offer me something from. Um, japan or something from holland and i think why do you even need anything from japan or holland i know the quality i'm not uh, right the the product's beautiful the product's incredible yeah Yeah. but would it not be better encouraging american growers to to go to japan and find out how they grow that way and do it there
0: absolutely that is happening on on a you know progressive scale of a few intrepid growers who are trying to get hold of that yeah. genetic material or yeah whatever.
1: yeah yeah i mean one hopes that it isn't sort of genetically modified and fed by <laughs> more chemicals than <laughs> but yeah
0: i just mean like a, a hybrid yes it is. or a hybrid carnation Absolutely. Or something and like the
1: japanese are brilliant for at the, finding yeah. those things and developing those things but they should be for japan
0: yes but the population of north america and europe and the uk is so much bigger
2: i
1: know
0: so you were just in new york um i was so disappointed that I couldn't be there to hear the panel that you were on yes. that was hosted by Flower School New York. Yeah, yeah, Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? The topic was about sustainability, right?
1: Yes. It was, okay. it was at the Pratt Institute. Okay. And it was all about sustainability. Um, Eileen Johnson came uh-huh. up with the idea and she uh, invited four of us and she very cleverly broadened it beyond flowers. It was called Beauty and Ethics, the Art of Sustainability.
0: Uh, it's the terrific topic it is a terrific topi-
1: yeah. topic because it is beauty is what we're all about let's not pretend that we're you know we're trying to be just ethical we we, we do have to make decisions whether beauty doesn't suffer
0: absolutely we have to lead with beauty or else people
1: are going to tune out absolutely and she invited an incredible man called eric Flescher, who is basically a soil expert okay who who spoke to us about the health of our soil and how we have basically, since the invention of of chemical nitrogen fertilizers, we have killed our soil. Yeah. But it can come back. It is. It is. It isn't a lost a lost cause at all. And she invited his wife and and Andrea Filipponi to speak about how she has used uh, very green approaches in the design of gardens mm-hmm. and in the design of houses as well, mm-hmm. and just the interrelation between the two. Uh, and again, you know, I suppose Andrea doesn't think of it as a product i think a lot of people think sustainability is another product they can sell it is a way of living a way of thinking and sure, making philosophy. decisions it's a philosophy yeah. it's it's just it's an approach it's not a product right and my great friend emily thompson who yes is one of the to me the most brilliant flower designers in the world yes uh who i adore her i adore her and i adore what she does and i adore how she does it and the four of us to, we neither of us had met uh, the, the soil expert or the, the the other designer, but Emily and I are great friends, and so it was a very special evening.
0: And were you? And was it moderated then by Eileen?
1: It was moderated by Clint Smith. Okay, who is a, another great uh, a great curator. Of knowledge because mm. of course he was the editor for so long of Veranda magazine. Right, he he That's knows right. about beauty. Yes, and he knows about drawing out the interesting things from other editors in his magazine to produce a good article. And gave him the and he was he was brilliant.
0: So you all had this general topic, and then um, the uh, the dialogue just kind of organically evolved. Or we re- each
1: spoke for fifteen minutes. Okay. Was the agreed? I think some people went slightly over, <laughs> but we each were told to speak for fifteen minutes with. Pictures. So we had a PowerPoint. Each of us presented a PowerPoint uh, showing photographs of our work, showing photographs of things that we were trying to uh, describe. Yes. And then we had an open discussion, an open forum where people could ask questions. And that was really interesting. I wish that could have gone on for another two hours because... I'm sure the the
0: questions stimulated all these other things, right?
1: And also there were four opinionated people to answer each question. And I think we could have had... Uh, we could have had four days and we could have done a week of it.
0: Uh, I like that it was sort of an m- interdisciplinary approach of, you know, mm-hmm. people from what, um, horticulture design and gardens and floral. And I'm wondering, um, uh, well, first of all, you said you thought it was audio taped or filmed. So yes. I will try to see if yes. I can get a call. I know it was, I know it yeah, was. Yeah. I'd love to share that with, with, uh, the listeners of the podcast. Uh, what did you share in your 15 minutes?
1: So I have realized that um, when people come to the – I talk that's serious. This was quite serious. It wasn't just about the fluff of, look at that pretty flower. Right. Um,
0: it had a, had a kind of a academ- – not academic, but a little bit more – Yes, academic is educational.
1: Educational, yeah. a great, a great word. And of course, being in the Pratt Institute, they were taking it seriously. It was part of the program. It's a well-respected. Interview. It is, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were brilliant, and they were, you know, they were so enthusiastic and so welcoming mm-hmm. of the of the idea and mm-hmm. and the, and the, the format. Uh, I realized a, a, a few years ago that people actually sometimes need to see words written down. Um, which was something I'd not realised for a long time, but you just show photographs and talk. But actually, if you see words written down, you, you hear them and you see them, and it, it makes more of an impact. So I did some written things that I felt were very important. Things like, uh, the, the, earlier this year, we went to Barcelona. And of course, um, the, 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 the main thing in Barcelona is the architect Gaudi. And you don't necessarily think about it until you see... In person, something like the the Basilica of the the, the Holy Family, how extraordinarily intelligent his process was, and he said something. He said one of the things that really stuck to me. He said, "If you want to be original, you need to get back to the origin." Mm. And of course, then comes the question, which to me is the whole fundamental of of what I do. What is the origin of flowers?
0: Oh my gosh, that gives me the shivers. That what? is so
1: you. But, but it's, to me, it's not even clever. It's like obvious and, and essential. What is the... Or why do we bring them inside is the first question. Right. We bring them inside because we want to see nature, I think. I mean, I've, if you think you bring them inside to impress your friends, you're on a different... Why do we give flowers to someone who's just had a baby or whose mother has just died? It's, it's, like, it's like a fundamental reason for having flowers.
0: If there's a visceral quality that you don't always... Well, it's back to the language of flowers. You don't even need to speak Absolutely, if you are doing the authentic Which is, I suppose, response.
1: the other, you know, mm-hmm. then that leads to a different. The, the, the language of flowers being a, mm-hmm. something I'm passionate about because it, it emphasizes that side of flowers. Mm-hmm. And then the next question in the same topic, the origin of flowers, why do we have them? Where do they come from? Well, they mm-hmm. come from a garden mm-hmm. or a field or uh, an, they come from nature. And if you detach too much from that... Then you might as well use fluffy cushions. Absolutely. And you might as well put a pile of fluffy cushions on your table, and say, you know, this is pink and red and green. Isn't and that's this what a I nice want. centerpiece? <laughs> Isn't this a nice centerpiece? And I admire people when they do things like that. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> they're not seeking nature then, though. Then they're it's different. Else. Yeah.
1: And it's and and but I just think if it's going to be flowers, think where they come from, and hence my passion for the garden museum here. Yes. And you know, I just wish more florists would get that link. Yes. And would even grow a pot plant on their windowsill. So they just see that you have to tend it. And, you know, as Emily says, we aren't gardeners. We, we, we aren't in the process of gardening. We're in the process of dying, dying flowers. Because once they're cut, they're dying. She and does have that kind of warm perspective. She loves that side, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it too, because it, it makes you think. It's all ways of making people think. Yes. And to me, I want people to be moved by nature and to be moved by the beauty of nature not by my cleverness. Right. If it exists, my cleverness. But, yes. you know, uh, I'm, I, do you know what I'm saying? I, yes,
0: and I, I'm thinking back to your, your comment when you were describing going to New Zealand.
1: Yes.
0: And that, that uh, I don't know what time of year it was, but it, there wasn't a lot available. It was
1: August for us, so winter for them.
0: Okay, and then they kept saying you were going to teach a workshop or something. I was
1: go- it was a weekend for people to come to this amazing place called Cape Kidnappers, which is, I mean, hotel doesn't do it. Justice. It's 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 like a an exquisitely thought out lodge Mm. with hugely eco friendly Mm. credentials Mm -hmm. in the middle of a million acre estate on the edge of the sea and it's I mean it's it's sublime. It's that's the only word for it. I've never felt so pampered and special without that awful feeling of it being precious. Right. It it was very special. I'm sure
0: that landscape just imprinted on your psyche. just, Just.
1: Extraordinary. New Zealand is extraordinary and and they because they're actually quite recent to tourism in a lot of ways uh, they have they're doing it differently mm. so it was a very exciting and then
0: you said that, that you didn't want to give them a list of like a re- of flowers to order for you, yeah. you wanted to just know what was
1: and they said, well, there's a lot but um, <laughs> and I think the gardener at Cape Kidnappers was on on board
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's the interesting gardeners usually are mm-hmm. because they want their garden to be appreciated and their work to be appreciated because people quite often just walk past it. Absolutely. Um, and so he was he was totally on board. And the the wonderful woman who does the flowers there, called Susanna, Susanna Todd, she was totally on board as well. She said, okay, well, you know, let's go for it. Let's do it.
0: So basically you were able to harvest.
1: I was able to arrive with a pair of scissors. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. drive around with the gardener and he would say, that's called blah, blah, blah. And I would say, can I cut a few branches of that?
0: And it was a lot of indigenous plants. All.
1: I mean, oh. not all. Nearly all indigenous, right. but a lot of things that just grow well National, in, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're very happy there. And the gardens there are not trying to be, you know, Madame Pompadour's garden mm-hmm. and they're not trying to be anything other than, an, an, an oh dear, there's an, an, an Australian, a New yeah. Zealand garden.
0: Well, talk about inspiration then. That was going back to the origin of that place absolutely that is what i think is so
1: compelling doesn't it seem so obvious yes yes you see i don't think it's intelligent at all i think it's actually the opposite of intelligent it's it's, it's just thinking what is the obvious thing
0: well it's back to product versus process like or you know philosophy and so if you're trying to sell someone product you you don't you need to create a reason for them to spend money yes and but if you're just responding to nature it's
1: and the other thing when you do it that way it doesn't have an obvious price. Of course, it's got a price, and of course, you charge to do it. But when you go and look at it, you don't think immediately, oh my goodness, that's about $175. Mm-hmm. You just think, wow, isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, those roses that you've seen yes. delivered, how much are they worth? They're priceless. To me,
0: they're priceless too. They're, exactly. They're, the, just the fact that they're grown by people you know and they were harvested yesterday and yes. sent to you today.
1: Yes. They've and they're cut from a, a shrub that's growing naturally. They're not, they're not cut from a shrub that's producing five-foot-long stems with a little flower on top. Yeah, these
0: are super anything but uniform.
1: Totally the opposite yeah. of uniform.
0: So your client will receive those, and that's for a special That's for a 50th party?
1: birthday party tomorrow, mm. yeah.
0: How will you arrange those?
1: We are arranging those quite botanically mm. in a sort of specimen vases so that the flower can actually be seen as a flower. That's the other thing I love. Okay. I love arranging things... Like those dying jasmine on my mantelpiece there. Yes. Where you can actually see the shape of the thing. Yes. And where you can actually enjoy... You know, you look at that and you see jasmine. You don't look at that and see flowers.
0: Right. And you, you you think, wow, that came from the
1: garden. Yes. And, I, and it you, did. It came from somebody else's garden up the street. I broke it off <laughs> as I went past. Because I thought that looks very sort of nice.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I know we don't have a lot of time. I want to just uh, maybe wrap up by asking you, how can people uh who are listening to this podcast all over the world um come where are the opportunities to hear from you or to study with you or do you do you have a workshop schedule or we do
1: do workshops here uh but we find that we shouldn't we don't do too many Mm. a because for many reasons but it takes so being selfish it takes so much time if we have a workshop for 12 people it just takes so much time to organize and, oh, I you know, nowadays yeah. everyone wants a delicious lunch and they want, <laughs> uh, you know, they want they want a swag bag. And they want a <laughs> going home gift and they want, and it just
0: takes so much time. Yeah, yeah. And when and people invite you to speak and let, so you easier. let them run the
1: show, then that's... And also they can charge whatever they want. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. We, we find it hard to know what to price mm-hmm. a workshop about because I would rather be doing workshops for young flower designers who want to get whatever wisdom I can pass on, but they can't afford to spend a lot of money. Right, right. And so you end up, if you charge enough, you end up...
0: Uh, alienating. Or, or alienating, or them. I get
1: more of yeah. that, it's all very well for you, emails. And you end up with people who maybe do it in a hobby sort right. of way, which is also fine, right. but it's hard. Yeah. Workshops are hard.
0: Yeah, but if you have them, they're, on, they're posted on your website, right? They'll be posted. Okay. We have
1: a special dedicated site just to workshops. Okay. Uh, I can't remember what it's we'll called. We'll provide a link to
0: that. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: And also, I do things at the Garden Museum.
0: Yes, and I, I want to just briefly hear about mm. this. Is this an, a new a new museum?
1: No, the Garden Museum has been going since probably the 1970s. Okay,
0: in, 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 right in, in the heart in, of London. Right
1: in the heart of London, an old church that was about to be pulled down, and basically someone discovered that there was a tomb there of a man called Tradescant, and Tradescant was, of course... Tradescantia. Tradescantia. Okay. A, a great plant hunter. Right. And he was gardener to King Charles II of England. And in his time, he was quite a celebrity. And he had a thing called uh, a, a museum of curiosities where people could go and they could see a dodo egg or a whale tooth. or <laughs> if they have a tea. weird thing that explorers collected. totally disparate. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in those days, it must have been extraordinary. It would be like going to Disneyland. <laughs> things they'd never seen. And the it. garden museum... Has well, it's got several aspects. I mean, as as one of our the, the trustees, they've got amazing trustees, and one of them, Nicola Schulman, she once gave this talk, and she said, "The Garden Museum is one of those few museums that can't contain the thing it purports to be about," because of course it can't it can't contain a garden. So what does it do? Oh
0: my goodness! And
1: the, the, it's got an amazing director, Christopher okay. Woodward, is an exceptional person in every way, and he has invented, I think that's the word I would use ways of bringing people who want to learn about gardens or who are interested in nature together. It's also got a really good restaurant, which which helps. Um, You've
0: you've sold me. I'm heading over there. But somehow flowers have a a role in the garden museum, right? So he
1: absolutely feels that flowers and the doing of flowers, the designer flowers, whatever you want to call, is on a similar level to the garden designers and that it is an art form, as is garden design. right. And that is a rare attitude in England. In England is quite often thought of as a craft. Mm. Something like knitting or um, home cooking, but certainly not restaurant cooking. Home okay. cooking, you know, right. where you might bake a cake. Right. And florists are that sort of level.
0: There's sort of a hierarchy that the, the gardening world is a little, bit...
1: a little bit... Definitely much higher. Okay. And a, a botanical that. artist, you know, if you arrange at Navarre's, you're a tradesperson if you paint the vase with it arranged in, you're an artist. Oh my gosh. You know, that's... Such an interesting point. Isn't it? I'm not the one who invented that point, but it's... Yeah. I, I sometimes... Whereas Christopher absolutely puts them as, as as part of a similar spectrum and the artist who paints them couldn't do it if the gardener didn't grow them and might not think of doing it if the flower designer didn't arrange it. Mm. So he brings together an extraordinary uh, variety of of disciplines. And I think... I just find it the most inspirational place to go. Wow.
0: It's, it's,
1: got, it's got a collection of, a permanent collection, and it's got an exhibition at all mm-hmm. times. It's tiny. But in the, in the permanent collection, they've got a thing which I, which every time I see it, it moves me. And I showed a photograph of it to the, to, the, to the people at the Pratt Institute Lecture on Sustainability. Speaking of why flowers are important, it's a small uh, panel and it's got dried flower, dead flowers that were pressed, sent by a soldier in the First World War from the trenches back to his fiance.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And I feel that is one of the things, If for me, that epitomizes why they're important. Right. You know, the, 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 that he even saw them in the middle of all those corpses and horrors. And that, he's, that to her, she must have received... Maybe he pressed them and sent them to her. Maybe she got them as a little flower in an envelope, but she pressed and the, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of beauty left in them.
0: But the sentiment.
1: And that's, and, and, and to me, we all need to be reminded of that sentiment. I love that. It is, it's, you, if you go there today. I will. Have a look at that. And every time I see it, I find a little lump in my throat. Because mm. it's just, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's it transcends time. And the message is so simple, albeit a very private one that has now become public, but it, it makes a really strong point.
0: It's also universal. Like there's something totally. that we all have in our experience that can relate mm-hmm. to that. Mm. Uh, Shane, you, um, I, I've got to stop this interview or I'm not going to let you get to lunch, but I do <laughs> want to just say that it is, we're here in May and coming up in June is British Flowers Week. Yes. And the Garden Museum is also uh, Hosting a venue for something yeah. that you'll be doing, yes. right?
1: <clears throat> so, so the British, Flower Week, British Flowers Week, we hosted at the garden... I'm saying we, very as if I own the garden museum. We <laughs> hosted last year for the first time because we felt that actually photograph... It, prior to that, it was basically photographs which were uh, put online.
0: Yeah, and, that's and where I'm And people said, how oh, amazing. Yeah.
1: And we thought we really want people to be able to come. We want, we want florists to be able to bring their clients and say, look what I've done. Or to be able to uh, be inspired, young people to be inspired to think of a career in floristry. So we very ambitiously did a week British Flowers Week was for a week in the garden museum and six people six six finalists were chosen to to create an installation we learnt a lot from it I mean obviously you know who would have thought that you needed light uh, that sort of thing you know
0: because sure, it's indoors
1: well and also you just realize that flowers need to be lit yes when they're in an installation yes. so you know, we learned we learnt a lot okay. also you need to turn the heating off that was another thing we learned <laughs> Uh,
0: so you're asking a lot of those flowers. <laughs> yeah.
1: So this year we're doing it slightly shorter and we're turning the heating off, basically. Okay. <laughs> and I, a few other little amendments.
0: I sure wish that I could visit, but I will I will watch from afar and do, celebrate that. And do. Uh, sounds and, and
1: wonderful. We, we, we're making it as green, eco-friendly, whatever word is least offensive, to encourage people who might not think in a sustainable way to come and see what can be done. And we're also using using we're also we've also invited flower designers who aren't necessarily known as sustainable eco floriers right they 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 are well known as designers who have embraced the the concept and i think that's very exciting as well
0: i think so too and i think you know that that whole adage that uh, artists thrive when there's restraint yes. or constraint a
1: brilliant you're, adage
0: you're giving them yeah. some yeah some boundaries yes. to work within
1: yes so and, and, be exciting. and making the ego quite hard to get in the way. Mm. Which again I think is the you know, that's the essential bit for good for good design, I think the ego has to be uh, slapped back a bit.
0: And the whole community then benefits. Yes. yes. Wow. Yes. I could talk to you many, many more hours, but I thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your world mm. with us today. It's just oh, such it's a privilege to be with you. Well, thank I'm, you.
1: Likewise I've admired and and wanted to meet you for so long. That this is a, a real treat for me.
0: Good, Thank I'm glad you. I came to London. Then. Yeah, yeah, come <laughs> often. Thank you so much,
1: Shane. Pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for joining my conversation with the inspiring Shane Connolly. There's not much more to say other than, wow, what an incredible human and what an incredible experience to spend time with him. It was an honor to share this conversation with you. I'll leave you with my favorite quote from today's conversation, Shane quoting Spain's most famous architect, Antoni Gaudi, which is, if you want to be original, you need to get back to the origin. Shane continues and asks, What is the origin of flowers? What is essential? Why do we bring them inside? Because we want to see nature. Where do they come from? A garden, a field, nature. If you detach from that, you might as well use fluffy cushions, he says. (laughs) And Shane reminds us to not forget the fundamental reason for having flowers. What a beautiful lesson to learn and relearn. Our next sponsor spotlight features the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG. And by the way, we're so excited that ASCFG has joined the Slow Flower Summit as a sponsor and we're going to have lots of material about that organization for everyone who attends the summit in July. Now let's visit the state of Maryland and meet Anna Rose Pappas of Anna Rose Floral Design. She's part of our 50 States of Slow Flowers series. Anna Rose Floral is a boutique floral design studio based in Bethesda, Maryland, on the outskirts of Washington, D.C., specializing in one-of-a-kind arrangements and floral designs which are solely sourced from flowers from Anna Pappas' personal gardens and from local flower farms and growers across America. One of her studio values is to provide an extremely personal approach, often unseen in the event industry today. In addition to event design, Anna also offers seasonal a la carte wedding florals, daily arrangements for the home, and celebratory occasions, as well as private workshops. Anna sources her seeds from a variety of the top American seed companies and farmers, including Florette, Baker Creek, Botanical Interest, Johnny's, Seed Savers, Southern Exposure, among others. She only uses organic seeds, fertilizers, and soil to ensure that the flowers being utilized for her special event clients are free of any chemicals. I'm especially grateful to read a section about the Slow Flowers movement on Anna's Frequently Asked Questions page. That's a smart way to share her values and brand affiliation with Slow Flowers. Let's learn more about Anna and about the Maryland floral community. Well, I'm so excited today to put our state focus on Maryland with our 50 States of Slow Flowers series. And I'd like to welcome Anna Pappas of Anna Rose Floral Design in Bethesda, Maryland. Hi, Anna. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for uh, jumping on the line with me to talk about what's going on in your world. Of course. Of course, I'm happy to. Yeah, I think we met. I think the first time we met la- was last year at, in Maryland at a flower farm uh, at the um, American Flowers Week Flower Crown Party that Kelly Shore hosted.
2: Yes, there was that, and then there was also Team Flower in Florida. Oh, that's right. right. And then that was right before. That, yep, yeah. that's right. And then of
0: course you came <laughs> to the you came to the Slow Flower Summit. So, uh,
1: yes.
0: our paths crossed a number of times. I was just so excited that uh, you have. Um, you know, joined Slow Flowers and brought your floral perspective to uh, our community. And I'd just, just like to have you give us a little bit of a snapshot of Honor Rose Floral Design. And what, you, you know, how do you describe your business and what are kind of your key fo- things that you focus on?
2: So I um, I have a boutique floral design business in Bethesda, as you mentioned, which is just outside of Washington, D.C. I um, have a garage studio that I've built out, Um nice little cooler and kind of my zen zone Mm. um but I primarily cater to intimate events special occasions you know less than 50 guests um Mm -hmm. I would say probably twice a year I do larger weddings of 200 plus but that's not really my niche it's just more people who come to me and really want me to do it and, and I do it but with you know I have two littles that are under the age of five and as I mentioned I'm having my um third and next Wednesday. Oh my goodness. um, (laughs) Thanks for squeezing us in. (laughs) (laughs) With lots of littles running around, it's hard to commit to larger events. Um, Sure. And so I like to keep my client list small. I'm very selective with which events I take on. And um, I really like to educate my clients about local flowers and seasonability. Um, I think that in our time and day with instant gratification and social media and Pinterest and Instagram, we really get lost as to what's available in season and, and what that can really mean for an event. Um, and so for me, I, I really focus on the education when I'm with clients in the beginning. And I. You know, of course, first find out when their events are, and then from there, I kind of stick to more of a color palette mm-hmm. as opposed to promising specific flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's far enough in advance, I actually have a wedding, a large wedding this October that's a Greek wedding. They want whites and blues, mm. no surprise, um, and I'm growing specific um, dahlias in my garden that are white tones for that wedding, um, so growing so is, fun.
0: and growing is a facet. Then you, we, we, before we turn on the recorder, you s- said to me that you don't really like to describe yourself as a farmer florist because you respect the farmers you buy from so much that you know you know that they're kind of at a different scale. But but
2: you are yeah. growing. You're you're doing some growing. I do. I do some growing. I like it because, and Mar- a lot of your larger farmers grow on a, a larger scale. And I'm not talking you know massive growing. But our farmers here do grow on a larger scale and they have to be selective they know what they're you know what their, they can sell and so for me i like to take a step back and you know find perhaps they may be you know more to the seeds or bulbs or tubers or um something that just doesn't you know they can't sell a lot of mm-hmm. but i like because it adds that uniqueness whether it's a foliage or a flower itself it, it adds something different into um an arrangement that you're not going to see if you're going to a larger wholesaler or even to some of the local growers
0: and you do, so have, I, you do have a pretty uh, vibrant flower farming community in, in the state of Maryland. It's pretty established, we right?
2: We do. We have a, a wonderful community here, a very large, more so than people even realize. Um, and it's growing every year. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So are um, you,
0: who are you sourcing from, or how are you um, planning your procurement when you do have an event so or wedding?
2: That's a a challenge, and I know, you know, part of your um, question was going to also be, you know, down the road as far as the landscape for local flowers, and I don't want to skip ahead. No, go ahead. You know, it it really, you know, the challenge, and I'm sure that's not just here, but everywhere, is as a floral designer, you also have to have things work for you um, in a way that when you're procuring all those flowers, I don't have, you know, an unlimited amount of hours to run. You know, anywhere from 15 minutes from my house to an hour plus from my house because Maryland is actually quite large, and we have some growers that are right on that Pennsylvania Maryland border. Then it can take me an hour to get there. Sure. So what we have, what I end and a lot of them have minimums for deliveries, and it can become it can become very time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Maryland has been working very hard on trying to find a local and building out this um, kind of a wholesale it would be of all local growers, which mm-hmm. takes time. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, I that, think that actually is, you and a couple other people have mentioned that to me. So that's yeah. sort of, uh, the desire is there, but the pieces have not quite fallen in place. It sounds like.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, cause the desire is there, the, the, the florists want it, the farmers want it. And even the clients within this area, you know, really wanted. I was actually yesterday, I went to the farmer's market down from my house to pick up bouquets for mother's day, mm-hmm. my husband's mom and grandparents. And we had a, a lovely brunch and, um, Andrea was there and she's actually got a Virginia farm, mm-hmm. but, um, and I, this farmer's market opened at nine o'clock. I was there, I say nine ten nine fifteen, And she must've already had a 30 person waiting list with an hour plus wait for bouquets. Oh, and we're wow. turning people around that way. Right. I mean, people want, it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Local flowers are beautiful. They, they're they more vibrant. They're I mean, it's the want and, and the need is there. It's mm-hmm. just how do we get that from the farms to the consumers?
0: Well, I know that the state of Maryland has a Cut Flower Growers Association that is gets a little bit of subsidy from maybe the State Department of Agriculture, but it sounds like there's a lot of potential to do some... I don't know, grant writing or, you know,
2: (laughs) finding the right. Yeah. And I know they're, yeah. yeah, And they're working on that in the background. I mean, I, before I got pregnant with my third, um, I was kind of part of that group of trying to get things figured out with the department of agriculture. And, um, there's definitely a lot, it just, it's going to take a little bit of time to get something going. Oh, good. Well, Um, we'll, we'll
0: we'll circle back and do a whole episode. Yeah. We'll do a whole episode (laughs) on that when it gets there. Um, can you tell me about your path to flowers? Um, I, I feel like you kind of have it in your DNA, at least horticulture and, and gardening from our past conversations. I, I feel like there's some, yeah. your family
2: connection is pretty deep, right? So it's interesting. I kind of, so I think flowers in general, for most people, there's a nostalgia behind them. I think most people find their way to flowers because maybe a grandmother had a garden or a mother had a garden or they spent time growing you know, up in certain areas. And for me, my grandmother actually loved roses. My middle name is Rose because of my grandmother. I love She literally has, she loves roses. Um, And when I was in elementary school and middle school, I lived in, I was actually from Florida, but I would go to um, upstate New York for the summers. And they had, it wasn't really a farm, but I called it a farm. And it was, you know, acres upon acres between, you know, in a valley and my summers were filled with you know, spending time in her garden and Mm. they had fruit trees. And it was just, I mean, it was like the most picture perfect childhood in a way for summers, just be running around wild out there. (laughs) And, um, when my husband and I purchased our first home, the first thing I did was plant a ton of peonies. And then I also put into vegetable flower beds. Mm. And then about three years ago, we moved to our current home, which is about on, it's on an acre. And I have been very, um, my husband always teases me about it precise on what gets planted, where it gets planted. It's so <laughs> like sure. really, I mean, our entire yard is in a, a mix of foliage and flowers and blooming, you know, trees. And it, it's just so much fun. And for me, a lot of it was I had a passion in growing for my own purposes. And I got to a point where I was, I had so much of an abundance of things and I was making arrangements for friends and family. And after my second was born, um, I was just kind of in this mommy trench for lack lack of a better word. And a friend came to me and said, you know, why don't you do this on the side? Right. It would be, you know, it would be, you'd be great at it. And so it kind of built from there. And, you know, I think the biggest challenge for me right now is, is growth. I, I, I have the desire and want to grow more, but I also have the understanding I have little ones. And so my priority is my little ones um, and we'll see as it grows. I mean, slow growth for me is, is good right now. Right. Um, right. well, it sounds like and, in a
0: way it's integrated, you've integrated your lifestyle into a business to work for you, which means a mom having a home-based business and you're entrepreneurial, but you're, uh, you're making the business support your family and your creative desires as well. It's a wonderful balance. Exactly. It is, it is in my, you
2: know, and, just take a step back i actually grew up in an agriculture family my um father's um and grandfather's business they're one of the largest tomato growing operations in um, the country back when i was younger <laughs> they have since that that business is no longer in business but my husband is also um they have a farm in tennessee where they grow tomatoes and then they also have a repacked distributing center here in maryland and so i have a very interesting connection yeah. in different ways with agriculture um and I mean and it's so much right now in the forefront of you know american grown products and American grown vegetables and fruits and imports and exports, so i 'm hearing it all the time wow and, I, it may, and I'm, I get so impassioned about you know our farmers, whether that be someone who's growing flowers or whether that be someone who's growing a vegetable um, just that 's what our country was founded on we're farmers right, and is it the and tomato so.
0: is not the tomato in the rose family? I feel like there's some botanical connection there. I don't know if I'm right or not, but I don't know. <laughs> I'll <laughs> have to look a that good up. <laughs>
2: question. I don't know. I'll have to ask the farmer to the well, I,
0: have... <laughs> I love I love that your middle name is Rose. It's such a uh, an homage to your grandmother and to your passion. And I'm assuming you're growing you mentioned peonies and lots of other flowering uh, ornamentals, but I'm sure that you're also growing some roses in your garden.
2: I actually just purchased quite a few from um, Grace Rose out in California, uh which are being shipped over. And this will be the first time I have like little tea, like some little ones. This will be the first time growing larger roses and we'll see how they do in Maryland. Yes, exactly.
0: Well, good luck. I hope you'll share some photos of your flowers and your your growing area with us. And um, just love to introduce your particular focus of balancing design with some of your own Product, I think that that's a, a, a niche that more and more florists are interested in. Uh, they don't want to be farmers, but they do love the creativity, like you mentioned, of the, the things that perhaps you can't get access to unless you grow them yourself.
2: Exactly, one hundred percent, because they don't ship well or travel well, and, and and it gives that it gives your designs that extra something, mm. the extra something special that people you know just don't see all the time. And right. And that, and that kind of, you know,
0: makes, yeah, it kind of makes me want to ask you what your aesthetic is on it. Like, is it, um, is it, do you feel like it gives you a different look because of the way you're, um, selecting your ingredients?
2: Um, I would say I design in the way that I see things growing. Mm. So if I see something growing in a garden, a specific way, I try to keep it as in its natural state mm-hmm. within whatever vessel it's being designed in. Um, I would also say that, People generally have said, you know, if you look on my social media sites or my website, that my designs tend to flow seasonally. And which makes mm. sense because I'm working with colors and blooms and things that are within a seasonal um, mm. time frame.
0: So yeah, That's interesting. It makes a lot of sense in a way because it's not just the variety, but even the palette changes with, you know, these super like eye burning neon you know greens of early spring to then things going a little more tawny and and kind of moody in the fall so it makes sense that the palette reflects the seasons as well as the variety yes fine yes, definitely so you're have a you're having a baby at the end of may you're already mentioned a giant wedding in october how are you going to get through summer <laughs> what is your strategy <laughs>
2: <laughs> well actually right now i mean you- we actually had a, a flood in our house as well so we are um living in a little condo and i am renovating our home oh goodness. at the same time all this is going on you know what i just and have so- to say women women are so fierce you are getting
0: so much done more than like <laughs> three men i love it
2: <laughs> it's um you know it's a good distraction it's been wonderful but for summer for us like i you know i also acknowledge you know how much i can handle so my my children and it's been this is the the Biggest unfortunate thing for me, not being able to live in my home. I'm here daily in the garden, mm-hmm. and I bring my children. Mm-hmm. Like they love it. They love being out there. They keep asking all the time when things are in bloom. The moment anything color comes in the first spring, my my oldest one grabs it all. Oh, how funny! But um, yeah. I mean, we we just you know right now that's part of the reason I kind of took a little bit of a hiatus for myself
1: mm-hmm. in my business.
2: And I had just said I'm you know I'm not taking clients until September. I see. So for summer for me, it's going to be a lot more focus on myself behind my, my little family, getting things back up to speed. Um, and then being able to come back reinvigorated come fall to start back in. Well cool.
0: well you haven't completely disappeared because you are active on social media. So I'll make yeah. sure I'll make sure to add your uh, links to your social media sites so our listeners can see what's going on in Maryland and see what's happening and in your little corner in Bethesda. And I just wish you a wonderful delivery and uh, a joyous uh maternity leave if there is such a thing
2: <laughs> and... yeah i don't know, I don't know. It's, you know
0: you're right if there is such a thing as that oh uh, and then maybe we'll uh we'll connect next time i'm on, in the dc area i'd love to see your space and i'd love to um uh just wish that the maryland scene of this hub of flowers that everyone is hoping for i hope it comes together and we'll we'll definitely uh do a podcast about it once you guys have, you know, or, or you and the other volunteers who are organizing yeah. it have something
2: to announce. Yes, that it's going to be. I, it's definitely coming. It just, I hopefully sooner than later.
0: Yeah, you know, sometimes it's, that's the kind of planning that has to happen in the off season. So I understand that people get busy. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of what's happening in your corner of the world, and we'll uh, we'll look for the good announcement, uh, the good news, and the announcement on social media. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Anna. You're welcome. Take care. grateful to you for joining me and for spending your time listening to the slow flowers podcast today thank you to our entire community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the slow flowers movement as our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the american cut flower industry the momentum is contagious i know you feel it too I value your support and invite you to show your thanks, with a donation, to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the Donate button in the column to the right at debraprinsing.com. Our final sponsor spotlight features Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of family farms in the heart of Alaska. Working together to grow and distribute fresh, stunning, high quality peony varieties during the months of July and August. Arctic Alaska Peonies operates three pack houses supplying peonies throughout the U.S. and Canada. Visit them today at ArcticAlaskaPeonies.com. I'm so excited about the upcoming Slow Flower Summit, and I hope you can join me in our vibrant and engaging lineup of presenters on July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. One of the top reasons our attendees love the Soul Flower Summit is the opportunity to mix and mingle with other kindred spirits. So we want to make it easy for you to experience the summit and bring along your best friend, partner, colleague, or team member with our Plus One Ticket Promotion. Please grab your tickets before we sell out. This is the very last week to take advantage of our special Plus One Ticket Promotion, which actually expires on May 31st. Just in a few days. So take advantage of this generous offer at slowflowerssummit.com. We'll also have links in the show notes for today's episode at Prinzing.com. So remember, when you register for the Slow Flowers Summit, you can add a guest for $275. This discount applies to anyone who has already registered as well as new ticket buyers. You can find the plus one promo option by following the register link at slowflowerssummit.com. And don't procrastinate because you only have a few days left to grab that plus one ticket. The Slow Flowers Podcast has been downloaded more than 470,000 times by listeners like you. I'm getting so excited. We're almost at the half million mark. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com.